The Biden administration broadening the companies that are eligible for funding under the CHIPS Act. That's the focus of today's Tech Check segment with Christina Partsinevelos. And Christina, we were just hearing from the Norfolk Southern CEO that that's bullish for the economy and factory production in this country. Well, of course it would be bullish because when you have companies building on American soil and getting money from the government, it's going to be a boom to the economy. But it's been pretty much almost 11 months now since the CHIPS Act became law. Large semiconductor supply chain projects with spending plans that exceed about $300 million can finally apply for funding. And this time around, chemical makers, tool suppliers are also included in the mix. So the CHIPS Act, just as a review, includes about $39 billion dedicated to manufacturing, $11 billion for R&D. But none of that money, that's the big problem. None of that money has actually been dispersed just yet. There is, according to the Commerce Department, a staff of 115 that have already reviewed nearly 400 statements of interest from companies seeking to build semiconductor projects across 37 states. And what do they want to do? Reshoring is a huge priority, and there are already many promises to build here in America from, and you're seeing on your screen, Samsung building uh, $17 billion worth in Texas, $43 billion from TSMC in Arizona, 40 billion from Intel. You can see on your screen that list is quite long, but much of those promises are contingent on government funding from the CHIPS Act. Companies like Intel, for example, saying it's critical for construction. On a media call yesterday afternoon, the Commerce Department acknowledged there is, quote, limited funding and they are, quote, going to have to make hard choices. But the pressure is on, Sarah, as the countries around the world are offering their own reshoring incentives as well. Just last week, or this week, I should say, Applied Materials and Micron announced large investments in India. Intel said that they're going to build a $33 billion plant in Germany. And building a fab could take at least four years, five years. So clearly the clock is ticking to make chips in America again. It's a boom to, to, start to bring it full circle, but it needs to happen soon. When, so when do we expect the money to, to actually start flowing? I, so I asked this question yesterday. I've asked this before. Imagine they had 400 statements of interest. It took 11 months for them to, to get that whole process in. Uh, now they've opened it up. The funding is, you know, stage three has is underway right now. It could be months before because they have to do due diligence and then actually disperse the awards. And then you got to factor in all the smaller guys, too, and then the R&D. So it's going to be on a rolling basis, but uh, probably in the coming months. But you did see uh, it just in it, to bring it back to the stocks, the SMH, a lot of these uh, guys have just sold off but separately, you know, coming off of that AI high. Right. Christina, thanks. Christina Partsinevelos. New momentum for the IPO market recently. The Renaissance IPO ETF, which tracks the performance of recent debuts, is outperforming the market. It's up 25% year-to-date despite the dread of listings over the past 18 months. And as macro uncertainties persist, private valuations, they're still being pressured. They typically lag, though. My next guest knows a thing or two about that. Forge Global is a secondary marketplace where insiders can buy and sell shares of private companies, including some of the most coveted names like SpaceX, Reddit, and Stripe. Joining me now on set is Kelly Rodriguez, CEO of Forge Global. Kelly, it's great. We both happen to be in New York at the same time, yes. so this all worked Good to out. See you. <laughs> I'm interested in particular in late-stage companies, the ones I just mentioned, as well as saying Instacart, because that tells us something about the IPO market, right? And sort of their their readiness to go or investors' readiness to receive these companies. So what are you seeing at some of those late-stage names? So this moment we refer to as the Great Reset. Okay. Uh, we just put data out that shows that the 10-year bull that ran through 2021 uh, is now undergoing a pretty massive set of changes, both investors' behavior in companies raising money and valuations. 
Right. So what do those valuations look like at the late stage? I remember last year during this great reset, Instacart took its own valuation down internally a number of times. Has that been coming back? Yes. So uh, overall, the market is off by 61 percent. It's important to know, though, that half of the large private tech hasn't raised money in between a year and two years. So a lot of the discount were based on pricing we saw in 2021. But in the last period, in the last quarter, we've seen some interesting changes. We've seen about a 3% decrease in pricing, which is a Hmm. significant slowdown, and about 28% of the Forge private market index, which is the 75 most liquid names, Mm -hmm. are actually trading up in Q2. Now, Hmm. we haven't seen this in two years. Right. there is a shift underway. So that's a signal that maybe it's coming back. There's interest in these companies. Do you think that that will lead? I know we've seen some IPOs, not necessarily in the tech space, but do you think that tech IPOs are next to come back? Well, we're watching it. The the data suggests there's probably two other data points that I'd mention, but in terms of what we saw in Q2 on the index, definitely seeing movement there. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing the bid-ask spread now has has shrunk to 17%. Now, in the private markets, uh, that's still high. Yeah. Normal, highly liquid periods are around 11 or 12. Um, but those are down at 17, mm-hmm. coming down from their highs of 26. Right. We're also seeing rofers at, at two-year highs. So one of the most active investors at the peak in 2021 was Tiger Global, a crossover fund. Um, there was a report recently that it opened up its full portfolio to individual bids in the private markets. Have you seen that? What does that do to the private markets when such a big player comes onto the scene and looking to sell. It's, it's a really interesting trend, but it only tells half of the story. When you look at the large institutions that were there buying in 2021, mm-hmm. and a lot of new entrants have come into the market in the last two or three years. Hedge funds are now fully in the private market. No longer tourists. Right. So what you're seeing now is if you invested at those valuations in 21, if you're looking at those same companies in 2023, you'd kind of be crazy not to look at buying as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are large players that invested in 21 selling, right. but they're also buying in 23. Last question for you. Any AI startups looking to sell shares on the secondary market? Because it feels like this sort of bifurcation where some of the late stage have seen their valuations come down. But some of the people I talk to in Silicon Valley complain of a bubble already in AI, in the AI space for private companies. Yeah, it's definitely seeing its hot moment right now. And like in any other sector, there's lots of, lots of names that come out at the beginning, and, and there are usually two or three winners. So at this point, you know, everyone wants to buy AI. Uh, it's hard to buy. Right. Okay. Hard to buy even in the secondary markets. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for being with us. 